0: Welcome to KYH2O, a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. I'm Carmen Agaritas, an Extension Associate Professor in the Biosystems and Agricultural Engineering Department at the University of Kentucky. And I'm Amanda Gumbert, an Extension Specialist for Water Quality with the University of
1: Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Join us as we get our feet wet exploring Kentucky's water resources. Welcome back to another episode of KYH2O, and
0: today we're going to continue talking about our lawns. That's right. And in this episode, uh, Greg Munshaw is going to give us some fantastic tips about taking care of our lawns the entire year round. And I think most of us, I know me for sure, um, have got the mowing part down pat. It's just all those other things about when should I fertilize? What should I fertilize with? What time of the year? All those things, I don't really have a good handle on. Yeah, and maybe when we should
1: seed a lawn, mm-hmm. you know, if we've got bare spots. So let's listen to the expert, and he's gonna take us through what we should do throughout the seasons.
2: So, for most of us, we've got a cool season lawn, and that's gonna either be Kentucky bluegrass or tall fescue, generally. And, um, during the winter time they shouldn't be really growing so that's the time to just leave them alone you don't have to mow that's a that's a good thing and it is a time though if you mow your own lawn to sharpen the blades people don't think about that um it's something that the the college of agriculture does students say they will sharpen blades every year but uh Small engine repair stores will do them as well, and and, uh, it's pretty inexpensive, but you can do it yourself with a file. We've got a video on our website showing people how to do that, but that's the time to do that.
0: Greg mentions uh, the wintertime is a great time to sharpen your mower blades, and I would love to put a plug in for our biosystems engineering students. Um, Every spring, before folks gear up to mow the grass, uh, we have a lawn mower clinic. And during the lawnmower clinic, students will sharpen your mower blades, change the oil, replace spark plugs if you like. So for our listeners out there, we'll put a link out there to our student branch and be on the lookout. Usually every uh, late March, uh, early April is a great time to get those lawnmowers maintained and all the money that goes towards that actually benefits the student branch for their trips. Yeah, I think it's great. I've had them maintain my lawnmower a couple of
1: times and it always makes me feel good to support students who are doing good work. And um, the other thing though, Carmen, I'll tell you is I bought a new lawnmower um, four or five years ago and the um, the place that I bought it actually offers come to your house lawnmower maintenance service. And I thought, this is kind of crazy. So, but you know, sometimes we don't have the ability to load up our lawnmowers, or we may not have the, a car that their lawnmower will fit in. Um, and so, you know, if you are investing in a brand new lawnmower, um, maybe you should check out and see if um, the location from which you purchase the lawnmower, if they are a service oriented um, you know, company or specific to lawnmower equipment, they might offer maintenance services, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, once you get your equipment up and running and it's in good shape, um, let's think about, um, because it's springtime, then everybody's anxious to maybe put something on their lawn or get outside. And so, Greg's going to tell us what we should and should not do in the spring in our lawns.
2: And then once we go into the spring and the grass starts to to start growing, people think Well, now's the time to fertilize because farmers are fertilizing. The commercials on TV say, buy your fertilizer. The bags are showing up at the big box stores. Everybody thinks time to fertilize. And so it's actually really not the time to fertilize. Um, We can maybe put out a little bit of fertilizer in the spring but the best time to fertilize lawns in Kentucky is not the spring, it's the fall. And so in the spring, we really just need to think about, okay, get the blade sharp on the mowers. And then once the grass starts growing, mow it. Uh, And it grows like crazy in the spring because the weather's perfect for it. And if we put more fertilizer on it, you're just going to be mowing more. And so that's things that we don't want to do. And then, you know, if if people are concerned about weeds in their lawn, uh, the spring is the best time to get a pre-emergent herbicide out. And a pre-emergent herbicide will go down pre-tax day in central Kentucky and probably pre-April 1st in in Western Kentucky. Um, But uh, you wanna get those things down to stop crabgrass, goosegrass and some broadleaf weeds from coming up. And they do a really good job of keeping weeds at bay. That is the only weed care or weed control application that I make in my lawn is I'll put out a pre-emerge and I'm done, that's that's the only chemical that I'll apply. but it keeps, it keeps the weeds down. So it lets the grass grow uh, unhindered by, by anything else that wants to come up. So pre-emerged herbicides will kill any seedlings as they start to germinate. So another thing that people think is spring is the time to seed and spring is not the time to seed. So we can get some germination in the spring and even into early summer. But the problem is if we get a hot, dry summer, then the seedlings will struggle and oftentimes will die off. And so we're wasting our money and time. Also, if we put a pre-emerge herbicide out in the spring and then try to seed, that herbicide will kill our grasses as they start to germinate as well.
0: You know, Amanda, one thing I found really interesting Greg talked about was seeding. You know, I think uh, a lot of times I was always thinking, oh, it's the spring, things are brand new, they want to grow. It's be a great time to seed my lawn, but it's not. No, it isn't. And, you know, that's something that
1: uh, I always tend to forget also is when's the best time to seed. Um, and he says that the best time to seed is actually in the fall.
2: So fall is the best time to to seed lawns in in across the state of Kentucky. Uh, So early fall, ideally around Labor Day is probably the best time, even maybe a week earlier than that. Um, That's that's when you want to get seed out because it will come up. The, The crabgrass and goosegrass pressure is much, much less than it is in the spring. And it's got six, seven, eight months before it starts to get hot again. And so they were allowed to get up and become mature and strong before the stress of the next summer comes on.
1: So in the summer, that seems to be the time that we all spend the most time in our lawns and and sometimes feel like it's the time that we do most of the maintenance. But, um, you know, really mowing is the primary activity in the summer. And so Greg gives us some good tips about um, proper mowing height and and just how to go about it so that we can mow, but in an environmentally friendly way.
2: Through the summer, we don't want to... uh, fertilize at all, uh, that's a pretty good stress on grasses. Uh, If it's hot and dry and the grass isn't growing, we don't need to be mowing. Mowing is an extreme stress on grasses, we're injuring them every time we go out there with the mower. Mowing height is another thing that uh, needs to be thought about throughout the year. Um, Generally what we found with research is that if you can leave your lawn mowed tall throughout the entire year, you're better off. So what that gives us is a deeper root system to find more water. It gives us a denser canopy to fend off weeds. And that's specifically what we've looked at in Kentucky for research is if we mow at different heights, what we found is the taller that we mow up to four inches uh, reduces crabgrass pressure completely. We had no crabgrass whatsoever in lawns that we mowed at four inches.
1: So that's four inches from the surface from the surface. yeah,
2: So to to measure that on a mower, you can measure from the sidewalk up until where the deck starts, uh, the bottom of the mower. And uh, that's, that's gonna give you the, the, the height that you're mowing at. But uh, the, the shorter that you mow, specifically tall fescue lawns, um, the more chance that crabgrass is gonna come in. And so you'll have to apply products. And so the goal is keep the grass lawn long, long. Uh, you don't have to water it as much, um, and you're not gonna have issues with with uh, uh, weeds and with the deeper root system, you'll have less issues with insects. And so a whole bunch of reasons to keep it taller. Plus mowing it short usually causes uh, more stress on the grass. And so when the grass is stressed, the chances of disease is occurring increases. So taller is better.
1: So Greg has taken us through three of the four seasons. um, And now let's hear what he has to say that we should do in the fall to get our lawns ready for the winter
2: into the fall if we're going to uh, establish a lawn or uh, renovate a lawn that's the best time to do it so uh, if you've got some some bare spots um, just like we see around us in the arboretum right now yeah um, either if there's small spots you can go through with a rake just to loosen the soil up and then sprinkle some seed over top and then if you have some mulch whether it's uh, straw or even some of the stuff maybe that you, you pulled up while you were raking, uh, some of that can help to hold seed in place and moisture in the soil. But having something there is usually a good thing, but not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to happen to still get uh, a lawn established. The fall is the best time to fertilize. And so typically what we found for most lawns in Kentucky, two pounds of actual nitrogen per thousand square feet is all that they need per year and a lot of places are putting out way more than two pounds of actual nitrogen. So I say actual nitrogen, when you see a bag of fertilizer, we need to look at the numbers on the bag. There'll be three numbers, and those numbers are N, P, and K. And uh, the first number is nitrogen, second one's phosphorus, third one's potassium. But the nitrogen is really what we care about. Most of our soils in central Kentucky are have adequate or high numbers of phosphorus potassium. And so we don't really need to worry about those. But a soil test is really the only way we can learn what our levels are. And so some counties in in Kentucky, you can get a free soil test done from your county office. Uh, Fayette County, for instance, I think charges $7 to to get a a sample run. But it's not something you need to do every year. You can do it every five years and still have a pretty good indication of of where you're at uh, fertility-wise in your soil. But if your soil test tells you you don't need phosphorus, potassium, or anything else, you just wanna buy a nitrogen product. You don't need to buy a 10-10-10 or a triple-19 or whatever because you don't need P and K on those lawns. And so if people are not soil testing, what I'll recommend is don't apply those things because the chances of you having P and K in your soil are high. Uh, And so just buy nitrogen. And so the cheapest nitrogen source that we can get is urea. And you can go to a farm store to buy that. it's gonna be much, much cheaper than going to a big box store and buying some fancy fertilizer, and it's gonna do the same or better than what those fertilizers will do. And so a bag of urea is 46% nitrogen, and to to uh, because that, the nitrogen is is 46% of what's in that bag, we need to account for that. So when I said actual nitrogen, uh, we need to take 100% of what's in that bag, divide it by 46% of what's in that bag, and you get 2.17. So we need 2.17 pounds of that product to give us one pound of actual nitrogen. And so it's just an easy division calculation that we can can do, but it uh, will tell us how much fertilizer to put out. And so, like I said, if we, are, we want two pounds of actual nitrogen per thousand square feet per year, we might put out one pound, which would be the 2.17 pounds of urea, in October and another pound in, in mid-November. And that's it. We're done.
0: You know, I had no idea there's so much lawn care needed in the fall, from seeding to fertilizing to even mulching your leaves. It's a it's a lot of work.
1: It is a lot of work. Usually we mulch the leaves or maybe rake them up and, you know, and our son jumps in them and we play in them a little bit and then we maybe sometimes spread them on the garden, you know, as a, as a mulch layer, um, but oftentimes we just park the mower and we're done, but it sounds like maybe we should do a little more work.
0: Amanda, Greg talked about um, urea when he was talking about fertilizing, and so I'm very used to going to a home improvement store, buying a bag of fertilizer, but I have never gone and bought urea. Right, and he does recommend urea as the primary source of
1: nitrogen and um, my understanding is the best place to find urea is a farm supply store so that you're buying straight product. You don't want to buy um, a fertilizer that has um, other elements other than just nitrogen because that's really his recommendation.
0: And one of the things Greg emphasized um, was he spent a lot of time talking about nitrogen, but in our Kentucky soils that we have here, the one thing we really don't need a lot of is phosphorus.
1: Right, we have naturally high levels of phosphorus in our native soils, and that is um, attributed to the phosphatic limestone that is, um, you know, our bedrock and the foundation of our soils. And so we oftentimes, and most of the time, don't need phosphorus, especially in central Kentucky. And um, You know, And the problem with that is if we put on nutrients onto our lawns that we don't need for that plant to grow, then we have the risk of those nutrients either leaching out or running off and getting into our waterways. And so, you know, while we've spent a lot of time on this episode talking about how to maintain our lawns, um, we're also, the subtle hint is let's do this in an environmentally friendly way and protect our waterways while we have beautiful landscapes in our in our lawns
0: and that's really important too in in urban areas or places where your lawn is right next to uh, the street because we have all those storm drains or those inlets that water can get in there and really quickly get to our reservoirs get to streams and things like that so even if your lawn or your home isn't right by a water body can actually get there pretty quickly
1: exactly and i think for most of us if we live in an urban setting we're not very far from a storm drain Uh, we maybe don't pay attention we don't look for it um, but if you look around your you know the next time you're driving around your neighborhood or walking around your neighborhood you know take a look and notice how close those storm drains are and um, you know i'd even challenge our listeners to go for a rainy day hike and you know, the next time you have a, a heavy rain in close to your house, walk around and follow where that water is running. And, and oftentimes it's running quickly and it's taking a lot of debris and stuff with it. So, um, you know, one thing that, you know, even though we might be fertilizing in the fall, um, it is important to make sure that if you do apply a fertilizer product, that all of it stays on the lawn. And so Greg reminds us to sweep or um, blow the fertilizer back into the lawn so we don't have a runoff issue.
2: So that's a key thing when we're fertilizing is if you get your fertilizer on the sidewalks, you need to sweep or get a blower and blow it back onto the lawn. On the lawn, you're safe. On the sidewalk, that's just gonna go into the storm system and pollute our our rivers and streams and lakes. And, The same with clippings, clippings are full of nutrients. And if you're mowing and leaving your clippings all over the street, they go into the storm system and they'll do exactly the same as fertilizers pollute them. And so whenever you mow, make sure that you're blowing your clippings back onto the lawn or get a blower after you're done and and blow them back. Uh, I don't typically recommend bagging clippings for lawns because those clippings are packed full of nutrients and organic that can get mixed into your soil and make your soil better. Uh, People are concerned sometimes with thatch, which is an organic buildup on the surface if we're not bagging our clippings. But because clippings are mostly water, as soon as they reach the soil, the microbes that are in the soil start to break them down immediately. And the amount of thatch that we get from clippings is about 4%. Thatch really comes from stems and roots and stolons and and that sort of thing rather than leaves. So yeah, mulching leaves in the fall is a great activity because it's just more nutrients into the soil, more organic into the soil. So, um, you know, my lawn, my front lawn is is, uh, about half inch maybe of topsoil that they left me, which is pretty sad. And so over the years of me living there, just by putting a little bit of organic down, Something that I bought compost or whatever, plus um, the the clippings from the lawn and, and leaves in the fall. Uh, my lawn has has improved and my soil has improved. So there's it's it's free fertilizer and it's a free source of organic for your soil. It's just it's it's win-win.
0: My idea of a perfect lawn and your idea of a perfect lawn aren't probably going to be the same as opposed to any of my other neighbors. And I think Greg makes some great points about what. A perfect lawn may or may not be, but the one really is. It's not something that we're constantly nurturing or babying. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think it it's kind of goes back to that thought of beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And um, you can drive around any area and see the uniqueness of the residents that are reflected oftentimes in their lawn. Um, but let's hear what Greg has as his final thoughts on the perfect lawn.
2: To me, the perfect lawn is something that you're not messing with all the time. And I know some people are, that's their, their hobby. They love to work in the garden, they love to work on the lawn, and that's fine. But if you're doing that, you still don't need to have all of the inputs that we've been beat over the head with for the last 50 years, Do the fertilizers, the, the pesticides, and the water, and all of those things. We don't need to have all that to still have a good-looking lawn. By buying quality seed up front, we can have um a really good lawn without all the inputs and so that's that's really one of the critical things is choosing the right grass to begin with and then choosing the right species and the right cultivar and then um, not babying it a lot of times when we baby our lawns over water them over fertilize them that's when we see diseases come in and they get worse and worse and worse over time and and uh, we have to apply things to like pesticides, like fungicides, too, to get them to come back to look okay. And if we just left them alone a little bit, then we wouldn't have to worry about that stuff as much. So my perfect lawn is one that's green without me doing a ton to it.
1: Well, that's it for another episode of KYH2O. Thanks for listening and we um, invite you to subscribe um, and rate us and review us and let us know your thoughts.
2: You've been listening to Carmen Agaritas and Amanda Gumbert. Learn more about water at uky.edu forward slash BAE forward slash KYH20. Subscribe to hear all episodes of KYH20.